And I think you find more experts and more, yeah, just generally just more experts in open source because those are folks who, who do want to spend their time um, putting the extra hours and like shooting free throws to, to make it to the next level. Uh, my name is Brian Douglas and open sauce. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold of Finos. Hope you're doing well. I sit down with Brian Douglas, CEO of OpenSauce, to talk about open source metrics and talent acquisition using open source. It's fun and informative, so join us. So sit back, relax, and cue the music. Is everybody in? All right, good. Hope you're all doing well. And here in Finos land, we're uh, almost two months away from open source and finance forum. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm interviewing Brian Douglas. He's going to be one of the speakers there. Um, but I've known Brian for a while when he was at GitHub and met up with him a bunch of times at uh, different conferences um, in the open source world. So it was good to finally get to record him on a podcast. Uh, Brian has a great podcast as well. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. But before we get started, um, I did want to remind you that the Open Source and Finance Forum for New York schedule is up and active. Um, so get a snapshot of what sessions we'll be holding in the latest emerging technologies. And this event wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. We want to send a special thank you out to our leader sponsors. Um, not only Databricks, where you can unify all your data, analytics, and AI in one platform, but also um, our new leader sponsor, who is Red Hat. Um, and I've been around the Red Hat folks for so many years. Um, great company uh, and so many great Red Hatters uh, that are involved in not only our foundation but um, in my life as well um, good friends and uh, glad to see that uh, not only are they sponsoring but they're um, speaking and so make sure you check out both of those sponsors when you get to the open source and finance forum on november 1st in new york um, but also our contributor and community sponsors adaptive uh, aaron discover finops foundation intercluster men.io Open Mainframe Project, OpenJS Foundation, Open Logic by Perforce, Orcas, Sonotype, Tidelift, Major League Hacking, Gradle, and Percona. I had to look at the new list. <laughs> uh, you know, I can also say that uh, as far as these sponsors are concerned, um, it's kind of amazing that, uh, you know, we started doing this in 2017. I don't believe that there was a single sponsor. Um, this was basically a conference that allowed us to uh, just spread the word in in open source and finance, and um, it took a lot of work, obviously. Um, so to see the number of sponsors that are involved with a conference like this now, it is only one indicator um, that will show you how powerful open source is becoming in financial services. So um, thank you for allowing me that uh, short plug. Um, but I would also say that, you know, like besides our conference in November, um, this is going to be a very busy couple of months. We're still working on the um, 
uh, Common Cloud Controls project. Uh, there's a lot to be uh, done in that project uh, in order to bring all the work streams together to make it a powerful force um, in in open source finance and cloud. Um, but then we have a lot of uh, uh, member conferences that we're going to be involved in, we're speaking at, um, but also uh, you know other conferences as well that we'll be speaking at. So um, as those come out, we'll be putting that out in our newsletters. Um, so make sure that you sign up. Um, finos.org forward slash sign up uh, is the best way to follow whatever is happening within the foundation. So uh, now back to Brian Douglas. Um, uh, this is an interview we did yesterday. And um, uh, again, uh, Brian, Brian was at GitHub. Uh, he'll tell you about this, but he was at GitHub. Um, and he got to GitHub through a long line of uh, starting, actually, uh, pursuing a finance degree. Um, and so uh, there's always a story for developers and founders and how they got to where they are now. So is uh, great to find out, you know, where he's been, how he got to where he is now, and um, and then you know we go and we talk a little bit about um, his talk, which is data-driven decisions uncovering the key metrics shaping success in open source software. But we also talk a lot about talent and uh, just uh, getting into the grind sometimes of uh, being in open source. And we talk a little bit of basketball as well. So I um, uh, hope you enjoy this interview with Brian and um, I'll put everything that we have in the show notes as well. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold of Finos. Hope you're doing well. Today with me, I have Brian Douglas of Open Sauce. Brian, say hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I've known Brian on and off over the years, um, uh, beginning when you started at, or not started, but when you were at GitHub, and we've had the opportunity to meet at different conferences, and uh, you may be coming to a conference that I'm hosting pretty soon, so uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But um, but Brian, I want to learn um, a little bit about you, um, what you do at Open Source, and um, and but also more like how'd you get here? You know, what'd you do in order yeah. to get to this point? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Brian Douglas, uh, I am based out here specifically in Oakland, California, and I am leading a company called Open Source. Uh, so we're doing insights into open source projects and come from almost five years working at GitHub, leading developer relations and engaging communities. So we crossed paths a few times at All Things Open, uh, spoke there on GitHub Actions, and basically is leveling up your experience uh, with GitHub. Uh, so part of that role was to meet with open source maintainers pretty regularly. Uh, to find out what was missing in the product, how can we help um, build better interactions for maintainers to be happy on the platform? And uh, there was something that came up multiple times, which was was insights. Uh, so um, I started working on this problem and was really really intrigued on things that we sort of like were unearthing. Um, I don't want to like tell you everything that we we, we discovered because we have a talk. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> or I have a talk at this event, so definitely check it out then. Um, I think uh, November 1st is the date. Right. And But how I got here, I years ago, I actually got a finance degree in 2008. So um, University of South Florida, that's where I'm from, uh, Tampa in particular, go Bulls. And it was the wrong time to have a finance degree with no 
no network. Uh, so I could not get a finance job. Uh, I wanted to go into investments. This was not going to happen. So I took a sales role instead and sold networking equipment. So like Cisco and extreme networks, like Wi-Fi routers. And uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, it was fun because I got to do, got to learn how to like pitch and sell and pick up the phone because we had to talk on the phone a lot uh, back in those days. It was there was email, but like the, <laughs> to make the money, you got to pick up the phone. And uh, so I did that for a while, and then had an idea for an uh, an actual mobile app. And uh, so I started googling, figuring out how could you make this. Uh, I knew you had the right code back then, like ten years ago. You had the right code to make mobile apps. Now, right, right, it it's questionable how much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's questionable how far you can go without writing code, but you, you can do it uh, in the no code stuff. So definitely try it out. Uh, so I just Googled my way into learning how to do open source and use Ruby on Rails to build what I thought was going to be a mobile app first, but I just ended up building a web app instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that was like three months later, once I built that, I, was, I ended up taking my first dev job because I loved it so much. And went to a bunch of meetups and then got invited to interview at a role in Orlando, Florida. So um, long story short, I found that open source was like a kind of a pinnacle point for my career. Once I learned, like there are folks who can give you mentorship. There's like people willing to let you contribute on random stuff out in the open with lots of users. Um, It was like a way for me to level up my career after being uh, a career switcher after college. Um, So... I saw the opportunity when I was at GitHub to do the same thing, like get other people in the fold and talk to HBCUs and go to boot camps and, and, and other colleges just to preach the good news about open source. And um, so that was a long-winded way of saying that's how I got here. That's awesome. Um, that's uh, we we never know what path we're going to eventually lead, and and it's um, yeah the the cool thing about asking that question on this podcast has been that it's, it's never where you started from. It's yeah. never where yeah. you thought you're going to be, but you know, like the people that I get to talk to, and I'm sure, you know, in your podcast too, that you get to talk to that, that, you know, they become experts in their field because they have used the experience that they've had that may have not been, you know, the thing that they're working on now, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure now that when you're, you're working in day to day that there are some things that, you know, if you're working, you know, with a bank or something like that, um, that you can at least you're, you're taking in something of that finance degree. You're taking in, you know, some of the work you did with Cisco. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're taking those things in and it all builds into, you know, who you are today. I'm sure. Um, I, so Let's expand on that. What do you do now on a daily basis um, as CEO of Open Source? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> what is it that you actually do here? That's uh, <laughs> what I'm hearing you say. Um, but yeah, I, a year ago, I left GitHub to work on Open Source full time. And at that point, uh, from June to September of last summer, uh, I was just writing code, like working with uh, one other engineer. Um, and well, actually, at that point, we had one full-time and one part-time engineer working alongside me to build out what open source was. So pretty quickly, like we built a product. And uh, so I stopped writing code. So like the answer to the question, I don't write code day to day. But what I, what I do day to day now is I have a lot of conversations with folks who are interested about getting more insights into what hap- what's happening with their open source software development lifecycle. 
And uh, so I've been having lots of conversations. So like when I was telling you, like, I just pick up the phone. Uh, that's what I've been doing. This is like not so much the phone, but like, hey, just a quick Twitter DM. Can I share you a quick vid- video of what we learned uh, within your projects? And can we get some feedback? And uh, kind of like in now the feedback cycle of um, can we have a conversation, build like a partnership uh, with a, a few folks, uh, some notable, some up and coming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I've been... I joke because I've never been a product manager, but I feel like I'm a product manager at, at this point too. So I open a lot of GitHub issues and assign people to stuff and ask for an update to see where it's at. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do a lot of that as well. So a lot of uh, triaging and uh, tracking down bugs. I do fix bugs. Uh, I still keep myself hands on the keyboard uh, and writing mm-hmm. some code. Uh, I'll go explore some bugs and like do some cool data modeling stuff as well. Yeah, but the good thing is, is at this point you can work on the things that you want to work on, right? So, <laughs> yeah, as, like I will pick the bugs that I'll work on, as opposed to I have to deal with all of them. Um, that's cool. Um, so, so let's again, we don't want to give away the entire talk, but but I do want to, you know, kind of talk about the the why. <sighs> why data driven decisions are important in, you know, when you're dealing with, with open source metrics, um, you know, and, and how first the why they're important and then, you know, maybe get into a little bit of the how too. So, so if, if I'm a company that's, so are are you talking on the, are you talking on the project side or if like I'm a, uh, I'm just going to use a bank, non-specific, a bank example, like I'm a bank working on um, an open source project that this is something that's integral to something that we do. And so I'm contributing, you know, I'm contributing back as a bank, but I want to know more about, you know, how, how my people are, are contributing to this particular project or, you know, is it that, or is it, um, you know, why is this important to, said bank uh to know you know the metrics of of when they're working on an open source project or or any of the metrics involved um yeah that's a that's a good question and uh so we're definitely approaching it on the sort of maintainer company side because okay. what i found early days is i i really had a big push of trying to get folks to do open source mm-hmm. uh and like i think it was a lot of good initiatives uh for getting people to contribute to open source but there's not a lot of good places for people to land and get mentorship mm-hmm. So the need that open source we're filling is like identifying opportunity for folks to contribute to company projects, to establish projects and foundations. And uh, so we do approach it in that lens. But when when you mentioned that note about like integral or how important this is, like Mm -hmm. all that's like relative to the actual project itself. So uh, what I discovered, there's a lot of projects out there that folks uh, actually, Nadia Ekbald actually wrote a book uh, specifically about working in public. And it's about like some projects are just open sourced or are source available. So there's a currently in the the, the current pop culture for open source, uh, HashiCorp switched their, their yeah. license to be more source available uh, mm-hmm. rather than open source. That's a debate that we don't have to have down here on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but the idea there is like, understanding why why you're open sourcing and what are you trying to get out of this so if it's like grow community is it to recruit engineers to like have a place for them to land and then you can have a, a relationship with to then say hey you should come work here at this bank because we do cool things uh or is it do you want to showcase things for like security so if you want to go through like a SOC 2 analysis um 
or audit rather, like it's a little easier when everything's available, source available for folks to review it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want contribution to certain things, like then that's something that you don't have to have metrics around. So a lot of okay. people at GitHub, uh, when I worked at GitHub, they'd ask like, how do I get make my project stand out? How to make it notable? How do I get stars? Uh, and it's, at the end of the day, it's like open source is a lot about marketing. Um, mm-hmm. oh so like if God. you have... Hold on, hold on. Can I stop right there? <laughs> Can you say that one more time? <laughs> Open successful open source projects do really good marketing, uh, and that's that. That kind of summarizes it. Like, if you got a good logo, got a great README, have a place where people can land and like be successful in the project, whether it's documentation or just a Slack channel or Discord or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it, it is about community management and like having a funnel, which a lot of folks they like you kind of assume I'm just going to write cool code and people will discover it eventually. Um, that almost very rarely becomes the case. Like usually there's somebody who's like driving the muscle or like making the blog post happen or tweeting out every release. Like that's stuff you have to do if you want to get attention to your project. Um, so it's just the, the TLDR is like, you can't just rely on GitHub open sourcing on GitHub one day and then saying, cool, it's open source. Let's just watch the stars go up to the right. So like the things that we can identify in like the the sort of data-driven decisions is it's not about how many stars you have, but it's like the influx of stars and what happens after the star. So mm-hmm. if there's a good conversion of stars to issues, so if I'm going to start it and they actually tried the project, then you can sort of see the cutover or you see issues to PRs. Like there's a lot of folks who don't have, they don't mind opening issues, but they will never open a PR, which right. is totally fine. It's a, it's a totally 100% fine. But when you think about like your your sort of, uh, there's a company called Orbit when they talk about the Orbit model. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about the people who are really invested and want to see the success of your project happen or they want to be a part of a bigger thing, uh, those are the folks opening PRs um, who are not part of your company or part of your organization. Uh, and you make decisions based on interactions within your repository. Just because we have people here that some are technologists, some are not technologists. Can you kind of describe the difference between opening an issue and opening a, a pull request, a PR? Yeah. Yeah. So like issue is kind of like customer support. You find a bug, you describe it, or you have an idea for a feature. Just think like GitHub issues. It's a it's a feature. If you don't use GitHub, there's another thing similar, like a bug tracker or a ticket. Uh, where you just say, hey, there's a thing. I want to describe my situation it'd be cool if you fix it or it'd be cool if you added this to the project. Um, Or sometimes folks use it as discussions. uh, So like have a conversation about the future of this feature, but it's just like really just, it's like a forum where you can just have conversations about specifically the project, but a pull request uh, it's a thing in Git where you could do like a diff, uh, a couple other version control systems have something similar where you can like opt to make a change in the code base um, based on a previous reported issue or maybe issue you found or a future feature. Uh, and these are folks who are the boldest of, of, of the most, like it's either somebody who works on a project full-time or regularly, or mm-hmm. somebody who has enough um, tenacity or grit rather to open up, fork the, fork the project, open up a, a pull request to make a change. Uh, and it takes like a special person to want to do that on a project they don't maintain regularly. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of that sort of comfort and confidence comes from, all the sort of marketing that you do around your projects, around contributing MD, contributions, how do you open an issue? How do you talk to the maintainers? Like when all those places are are sort of the, the sort of bumpers are set up for your project, did you see sort of pull requests tend, tend to go up and to the right? 
And so maybe take it out of the individual contributor. Um, you know, let's say a bank was, first of all, they got the clearance, you know, they have yeah. the licensing that, or I'm sorry, the, um, they've gone through compliance in order to, um, be able to contribute to this. So, you know, can you, can you tell maybe why, Again, not an individual contributor, but a, you know, a set of contributors from, again, let's go for bank, would be interested in contributing back to, um, to any project, Let, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, so if we like even take it out of uh, even code contributions, think of like yeah. the National Basketball Association to the NBA. Mm-hmm. The question is like, why would Capital One put capital one on the new york knicks jerseys which i don't know if they're sponsoring the new york knicks but it's because it's it's exposure it's like when you think of the knicks when you think of basketball you think of capital one and they're the proud sponsor of chase bank is the uh the sponsor of the golden state warriors my my team so when you think about sponsoring contributions like it's not about putting a badge of like yeah that's that's our that's our contributor but it's more of like when you think about good work and positive impact in community you think, wow, this bank actually supports open source. Perhaps I should give them a look, not for being a bank, like having a banking relationship, but more of like, they're doing good code. So maybe they have a good job for me. And like, when you're looking for the top tier talent and like engineers, like you want to put your your name in the hat as the company or the bank, like we're doing open source, like we can attract the best talent. Um, but it's also about like, we're using the best software. So like we're participating right. back into the community. Cause like at the end of the day, like the the Finos Foundation, the Linux Foundation, CNCF, they all participate in the better good and the growth of open source. And everyone's like everyone messes up, but like everyone's in their best interest of trying to see an advance open source in general. And uh, understanding like that being an opportunity to one get your brand, but also to validate yourself in the space that people can think of your company, your bank, your community as part of somebody putting good into the system. So let me go back to something you were just saying and and this is something that we bring up all the time is is an inherent value of of open source especially when we're you know especially when we're talking to a potential member bank or something like that 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 we state that if you are participating in open source then there is on you know on the job or on the talent side basically that you're opening yourself up to better developers. Can you describe why somebody who's involved with open source is a maybe a higher value target talent wise for a bank or, or, or any talent, you know, company that really values talent in the developer space? Like why, why do we say that, that being a developer being involved with open source is you know, inherently good. Yeah, it, it it really comes down to and like being involved in open source and developer is not a requirement to get a job in the ecosystem at all. Like you can definitely just do weak code, interview, do your nine to five. That's totally fine. But being involved in open source, like the best talent, the best contributors are the folks who can jump into a problem which they don't have ownership on and can be able to swim and being able to can have enough sway to convince folks to merge their PR into the upstream or get into a release. Like it takes a special person to have the, again, the grit to be able to make a contribution. Uh, But then that contribution is now on display 
in public for you to use as your cover letter, your resume, as your sort of notch on your belt, which again, like it's a, it's not a requirement to do open source to like level up your career. But like when you're looking for somebody with grit and tenacity to work on a project that has no clear defined end goal, like it's a, it's a bug or it's a, it's a problem that no one's seen before. Who do you call? You call in the consultant, you call in the person who's the expert at their craft. And I think you find more experts and more, yeah, just generally just more experts in open source because those are folks who, who do want to spend their time um, putting the extra hours and like shooting free throws to, to make it to the next level. And, and again, like the, like I was, I was, I just watched the Steph Curry documentary. So going back to the Golden State Warriors and the guy was undersized, too scrawny, like had to go to like an undervalued school. Davidson's um, a beautiful school, by the way. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But honestly, I didn't know what Davidson was until wow. Steph Curry. Uh, uh-huh. And it wasn't even until years into his his career that I even knew Davidson. Because um, yep. I I vaguely remembered that year, the Final Four, that they made it. Uh, but like they didn't they didn't win. So like even though they made this the Sweet 16, I'm like, oh, Davidson. Okay, cool. Because every now and then you get those undervalued schools, those folks that are up and coming, and yep. you have these these up and rising stars on those teams. So I guess what I'm getting at is like it's there's an opportunity to find some really really great staff or future engineers to work alongside of you, work for you, um, participate in the ecosystem. And I think open source is a really good way to like for myself. I, I mentioned I'm a career changer. It's right. a great way to break in and level up faster than to like wait for your turn. Uh, to like go from junior to mid-level to senior and et cetera. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm doing in the open. Um, in a second, I'm going to ask you for an elevator pitch for your talk, but I, I do want to uh, just put in one thing. Um, I did see Steph Curry play in college um, against my South Carolina Gamecocks, and um, I'm just going to say that we beat them. So um, uh, I think it was an NIT tournament or something like that. So it was, it was like we won the NIT two years in a row. So I don't know if that that's a Okay, we'll get out of this discussion. So <laughs> um, Brian Douglas, data-driven decisions, uncovering the key metrics shaping success in open source software. Can you give me an elevator pitch? Why should somebody come to your talk when they come to OSFF on November 1st in New York? Yeah, uh, we're, uh, we're going to unload the secret sauce on you uh, in that talk. So I, I'll give you one one sneak peek, which is new contributors. So the one thing that everyone focuses on stars, and they focus on issues, and they focus on PRs. But the one thing that, like, for Cell Next.js, the one thing that we've identified for them is that they 85% new contributors coming week a month over a month. And it's a metric that's actually people don't spend a lot of attention on because it's not something you could actually quantify like a GitHub or other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we're, we're attempting to make this easier for any project to look and say, okay, if our new contributor funnel is up and to the right, we know just like marketing, like you could convert those into like eventually core contributors or champions for your project. So the idea there is like new contributors fuels trending, it fuels growth, it fuels even more stars. And as long as you're building a pathway and a funnel for new contributors to come and make a first contribution, whether they stay or not, um, that's how you know your project's going to hit success. And I think in the top 10 projects on, if you look at GitHub top 10 projects, uh, I'll share that in, in the talk, you'll see new contributors being a, a consistent metric that you you want to pay attention to. That's very cool. All right. Um, with that, 
uh, first of all, thank you uh, for spending time with us. And I, I know you're busy running a company, doing podcasts, watching. Well, Warriors aren't playing yet. Have they started yet? Um, no, <laughs> just, just ending the summer league. Yeah, coming up soon. Um, but uh, but looking forward to seeing you again um, in New York and um, uh, looking forward to the talk again. It's data driven decisions, uncovering the key metrics shaping success in OSS. Brian Douglas, Open Sauce, thank you very much. And uh, with that, I'm going to say good day, good night, wherever you are. Stay saucy. <laughs>